This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. My name is Germ, this is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. Tom Hayen, thank you for joining me in the trenches. Thank you, it's great to be here. How is the information war treating you? The information war. Uh, <laughs> that's a good one. I, um, I'm not quite sure, there's so much of it out there. It's very hard to wade through stuff. Um, I'm really finding that there's a lot of infighting going on on either side of the fence here and that's kind of a new thing uh i haven't seen a lot of that until recently so that just confuses things even more so, what do you mean what do you mean infighting oh things like bregan and desmet and malone and so and so i think uh david martin is getting hit with a lot of stuff uh, controlled opposition you know, just things like that. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm not maybe I'm not in the trenches enough to really to really keep track of all that stuff. But I, I know there was some tour that was going on with Mikovits and and artists and all these different people and there was some big hoopla about that. They had to cancel it um, because of the snake venom debate and just a lot of things like that. I don't keep up with a lot of that, so I could be just talking out my nose i i don't know but you probably know a lot more about that than i do where do you stand on that by the way mass formation or no mass formation let me ask oh, let me ask yeah. that let me ask that question differently yeah do you think people hypnotize themselves or are they being hypnotized by an authority i think that's essentially the the crux of the two differing opinions I would think it'd be a little bit of both. I mean, hypnotizing is, uh, we're hypnotized almost all the time. It, it's, it's almost like it's, uh, it's almost the, the, stand, the state of being is to be essentially hypnotized. I mean, if you really do use the, the, de the clinical definition of the word, you know, we're in an altered state. Very, very seldom are we in a very conscious, heightened conscious state. Uh, we're hypnotized driving home, thinking about something else and not paying attention to the, to the road, you know, just those, those standard things. So as far as hypnotizing ourselves or each other, um, it's, it's hard to say because there is an induction in, in clinical hypnotism. There, there's a conscious induction that uh, a therapist or a hypnotist or whatever puts a person into um, whether that can just happen naturally without any kind of formal induction, uh, it certainly could if the, if the environment around you is, is, is set up to do that. You know, just like we were talking about, if you have a, a mass uh, authority, say, telling people certain things and brainwashing, which is, which is a term everybody likes to use, then you're going to be doing that with one another as well. You know, just reinforcing your state. I'm not sure if that answers the question. Uh, well, that's not really hypnotism, hypnotism though, is it? It or depends on it. Yeah, hypnotism is really a movement uh, from an altered state, like a conscious state, 
into a more unconscious state or, or um, putting somebody in a trance, putting somebody into a place where they're not really as their, their mind is not really as focused on the present and focused mm-hmm. on, on, you, you know, the conscious state. And there's all kinds of levels of hypnotism. I mean, you can go into a synambulistic state where you're incredibly open to suggestion. And, you know, that's where you see the stage hypnotist, you know, picking people out of the audience and making them bark like a dog or, or whatever, you know, those are very deep states. Are um, they? I mean, I've, I've always, I've always assumed that that kind of stuff is like the old school uh, theatrical wrestling. It's all scripted. Actually, no. You mean like it's it's not real? Like somebody getting up on stage? No, no, that's real. Really? That's real. Yeah, it is real. Um, maybe it isn't always real. I mean, I don't know. Just just like you have spiritists and and mediums that you know are considered legitimate, yet they'll also do stuff that isn't legitimate because it's not something they have that much control over. And once they do that, then they're kind of ridiculed. So who knows, you know, if you have a stage hypnotist in a circus or (laughs) something that has to perform every night, I mean, there may be ringers, people, people that are selected. I I don't know the details of that, but I, I do know that you can put somebody into a suggestive state where they will perform things like you see in the in the acts. I remember reading that you would never do something that is outside of your character though if you're in such a state. That 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 could be true. Yeah. Um hypnotists are, or at least stage hypnotists are very careful to select people in the audience. Uh you know that they know are going to be highly suggestible. And not everybody is suggestible uh they have a great skill of being able to pick somebody depending on how they raise their hand you know take me take me you know they're the more likely ones to be very suggestible um i i did some training or actually quite a bit of training in in clinical or therapeutic hypnosis the uh, hypnotherapy and the guy that that he wasn't alive at the time he passed away a while ago that started this school was known as a as a stage hypnotist as well as a hypnotherapist. So he would tell a lot of stories about what, what we're talking about here. I don't know a lot of it firsthand. Um, I can't, it, you know, I, I'm not that that uh, informed about the details of stage hypnotism, but he certainly said it was possible. And he would take people under to do hypnotherapy work with them. That was pretty astounding what what they would do and uh how how they would go just ordinary people off the street that he would have in his classes and he would uh record them all and he would do work with them that was pretty pretty intensive uh so it definitely is something that happens it's not it's not fake it's not fake now the standard the kind of thing we're talking about where somebody just kind of walks along hypnotized i mean i i think uh the argument and I, and I haven't really put in a lot of time in, in seeing what Bregan is saying about about Desmond and everything. It seems to be semantic, seems to be little strange uh, um, confusions or conflicts in what they're both saying. Uh, I definitely believe that Desmond and even uh, Mark McDonald, I know you've interviewed him a few times, uh, and I believe he came up with the, with the phrase... Um, mass delusional psychosis 
and then Malone, I think, in his interview with uh, um, one of his interviews, I can't, I, I don't remember if it was the Rogan one or what, but in one of his interviews, he kind of twisted the words around and started calling it mass formation psychosis. So there, there's a lot of argument about the word psychosis being part of that phrase, because I'm pretty sure Desmond doesn't like that. And in his book, he no. makes it clear that he's, yeah, that he's not calling people psychotic. <clears throat> That. And, but uh, it, yeah, it kind of is, though. Well, it depends on how you define psychotic and psychosis. You know, uh, the schizophrenic psychosis is one where reality is very distorted, and you have uh, you have hallucinations and audible hallucinations, hearing voices and things like that. That's like the hardcore psychosis. Then there's a psychosis, debatable whether you could really clinically define it as psychosis but it's a psychosis where you have a departure from reality of any sort and then who's to say what is reality you know well, if, if you yeah well this gives me a departure from reality <laughs> yes it does <laughs> but i don't think you're psychotic <laughs> But, but, you know, this is the thing that we're grappling with all the time, which is one of the most fascinating things to me about it, is that why is it that you can put something in front of someone that is clearly evidential in nature? I mean, it is, it's definitely a fact without any question, and they will not recognize it as that. And that's that I've been saying right from the very beginning of this, that I call it a cult psychology. And lots of other people have said that too. But when all this first started, that's what it looked like to me. I've I've had some in, involvement in cult psychology and working with people that have been taken in by a cult. And it's very, very similar to that on a much wider scale, of course, large scale. There's just no, no departure. And, you know, the Stockholm Syndrome, is it Stockholm? I always get that mixed up. Uh, yeah, it's the Stockholm Syndrome, right, where, where people um, – you know, they, they become allied with their, with their uh, captors. And uh, there's that going on here, too. There's this loyalty to, to what it is that's, that's stating these unreal lies or whatever they might be. There's a loyalty to that that people would just not pull away from. Yeah, you've you know? written about that recently. Um, yeah, that shows up in a lot of articles. <laughs> Yeah. You were you were you were you were saying how you are dumbstruck, how it is possible that people don't seem to understand or even have the faintest idea that there is an alternative position on most of these things. Right. 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 And it does dumb strike me. <laughs> That's the right word. Uh yeah. I, I think part of it, and I think I just recently wrote about this in my in my War of the Worlds article, that it's it, part of it is that people aren't even interested in seeing it. They're not even interested in investigating it. So it's almost like there's not there there's not as much of this like okay, I'm interested in knowing something about this. Present your case to me. And I'm going to evaluate it for its intelligence and its evidence. People don't do that for the most part. I know some people do, but what what they tend to do is just is like I don't even want to hear it. I, I don't want to have anything to do with it. I want to stay in this paradigm in this in this reality in this world. 
and I don't even want to know uh, about anything else. It's just this is all that I want to see. So is that psychosis? Is that hypnosis? What What is that? It's like it's so easy to stay in this in this zone of uh, of complacency and uh, you know of compliance, whatever it might be. It's just so easy to do that, and anything else just disrupts that joy of being in a life where where you don't have to worry about anything except you know how much money you're going to make this week, so you can go out to dinner or whatever. But I mean, there's that adage, ignorance is bliss, and it seems yes. to hold true. Yeah. It seems to be very yeah. true. Yeah, it absolutely. And I think I think that w would be a really big uh, uh, answer to a lot of this up until a certain point. I I think that maybe certainly from the beginning, uh, everybody was terrified. So there was no ignorance is bliss there. You know, everybody was like totally freaked out. And uh, so we have that element, that fear element that was put in there that we all know how that works. Okay, that's not a mystery so much. But then once once the, the foundation for that fear started to drift away or to dissipate or to become, you know, a head scratching, well, that doesn't really make any sense. Then that's when you start getting this. I'd rather stay in this where where I know things. And I know that that this is dangerous. I wear a mask. I stay away from people, whatever. Then then I am in this safe zone, and they don't want to know anything else. They they don't want any kind of confusion to come into it. Well, maybe this isn't really what's happening, you know. And that's and then certainly now everybody on that side of the fence, the the sheeple, all think that everything's coming back to normal. And uh, so they definitely. I don't want to hear any of any of that. I don't want to hear it. Do you not? Do you not sometimes? <clears throat> excuse me. Do you not sometimes think? Because this is something that I actually do often wonder. But do you not sometimes think that it's better to be blissfully ignorant? Because you, you won't. You, no, really. Think. I mean, I'm asking yeah, a genuine yeah. question because you I'm, won't get ulcers. You won't you. get ulcers. You won't yeah. drink excessively. You won't leave your house with with this weird suspicious cynical worldview absolutely and you know again in this article i just wrote that's a I, I i wrote a little bit about my own personal battle with it because it's constantly in front of you you know i'm married to somebody who is one of these people that have no interest in looking at anything deeper she's completely blissful in where she is and she has no reason to you know there's nobody dropping dead around her and if they do it's always attributed to something else they're old they're sick oh gee i didn't know he had this whatever you know it's the same old thing climate change you know this normalization of myocarditis i just saw that commercial that hospital commercial that's that's going making the rounds right now that's just unbelievable you know this little girl has chest pains or something, she goes into the hospital and they tell her she has myocarditis and they give her medicine and make her well and she's all good again. And that's normalizing all that, the people going, oh, okay, well, I guess you can get that if you're, you know, seven years old. And that's all part of the, well, you can always go to the hospital, they'll take care of you, the doctors are saying it's fine. Uh, so yeah, that is very compelling.
to be ignorant and bl- in fact we're built to do that we're not you know i've talked about this before this idea of of healthy denial you know if if we you take somebody from you know 1600s and you bring them here to the future and put them in a car they would probably have a heart attack because that's naturally terrifying or in an airplane uh you know so yeah we're we're built and i think it's that you know that whole boiling frog thing it's yeah it's like it's all set up or seems to be being set up in such a way that that you can keep that kind of status quo you can keep that well this isn't as bad as it as it really is Mm. and so just go about your business and of course everybody's anesthetized talk about hypnotized people are more hypnotized by video games and and entertainment in general entertainment pornography my god yeah Mm. um they're all that's hypnosis that is those are inductions into hypnosis uh television of course the phone uh the phone which i don't know i guess there's some people that aren't guilty of that i know i am i mean here we are talking on this screen you know it's convenient it's it's good in a lot of ways i mean it's not 100 percent bad but uh that's all distraction people don't look beyond that they don't seem to uh gina says yeah um it's the cognitive dissonance that they can't handle mm-hmm. yeah in fact the title of my my world uh article was originally cognitive dissonance because i think that's the battle for me see i'm on and you are too and all of us on this side of the fence we deal with both worlds all the time you can't not deal with world a uh, because it's there and it's what's supported by the masses. It's supported by the media. It's supported by everything. So we know all about World A. People that are only in World A don't know much about World B or may not know anything. So we're the ones that get struck with the cognitive dissonance, with the polarization, the, the pressure of the two opposites, that, that we are the ones that deal with that. And it's something that we have to be very aware of because it's it can be very damaging as far as depression and anxiety and a compulsion to 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 go over to the other side. I mean, how often how often has that been a theme in movies and things? You know, oh, it's great over here, you know, but no, no, you're all liars. And this isn't the truth. This isn't real (laughs) yet. And now that's that draw to go into this ease. And I make a couple of examples, like the Matrix has the the big bit with the guy that that you know sells out because he wants to have a stake, you know, and and then you see the alternative is this dingy underground world where everybody, you know, it's like, well, that's truth, you know, which would you rather have, the truth or the stake? And that's a constant dissonance that's going on. In your article, you talk about the queen's death and how you yeah. have this, how you have this internal tug of war mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's like that with almost anything you know you hear in world b about things like you know tom hanks is a pedophile or whatever it might be now those are extremes i don't necessarily grapple with those i generally don't pay a lot of attention to those kinds of details but the queen is a good example because she's known by nearly everybody and she certainly has presented an image of, of 
you know, the queen. I mean, she's she's always been presented with this image of being uh, altruistic and good and kind and loving, and she's the mother of the people and all of that, which is, you know, most people know that a, a lot of that is not reality, but most of it is to most people. They believe that. And this not so much with King Charles, but still it's it's the position the royal family and the position of that of 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 that presentation that paradigm of that those but don't of you maybe i'm projecting you go with go with me on this okay i i'm finding myself becoming increasingly frustrated and irritated by ultra cynicism um, mm -hmm. it's another another metaphor would be uh, the black pill where you don't see anything good whatsoever uh, you just have to outright dismiss that person the, I've, I noticed that with the queen's death you know everything yes. everything that's absolutely the worst is is put forward and there can be absolutely nothing good about it and I think that's not right no, it's not. I, I agree with that. And it's a it's another area that I try to touch on in these little short articles. But, you know, I, I believe the reality is a is a combination of world A and B. I, I don't think it's as dark uh, as world B likes to present it. And that's hard. That's very hard because we do as humans, we do have a tendency to to polarize things. The, you know, Carl Jung used to say that life is in the tension of the opposites. That's where true living is, is, is not knowing and not being 100% sure that, that it's, it's, it's shadow and good. You know, the two are integrated. And if you ever have a situation where it's all shadow, you can be pretty sure that you're not really dealing with something that's r real. And I think that all this has a tendency to do that. You know, at first, you didn't see, well, I mean, all this was going on forever. I mean, this isn't new that there was this world B going on. Uh, and I think that the deepest parts of the rabbit hole from world B are now uh, people are, that, are, that are saying, hey, this, this doesn't make any sense. I'm a world A person, but what's going on now doesn't really make any sense. So I'm going to venture into this other world and I see the truth in it, but you have to be careful that it's not all truth because it's been around for a long time, which you just said, this cynicism, this everything is dark, everything is wrong, everybody's a lizard person, you know, everybody's a pedophile. And it's easy for people that are not used to that world, which I'm one of them because I'm not used to that world, when we go into it to go, well, what is real about this? Which, which of this, how far down do you go down the rabbit hole and can be sure that, that it's, it's truth. And me, that's something let we me have give to you struggle an, with. Well, let me give you an example. So yes, a comment saying, um, it's, it's true because she had a, a Peter, a Peter as a son, um, you know, Epstein lived at her cabin and you can't disregard that. And she, must have been aware of it. And even if that were true, this that that would be world B. But what would world A counter that with? Well, she might have been a decent person when she was younger. 
Well, yeah, she could be a decent person for a large portion of the time. You know, those kinds of associations don't necessarily mean what people what people kind of construct them to mean. Uh, the whole Epstein thing is strange because you could look at that from a more innocent perspective. You know, that people didn't know, that people weren't sure of what was going on, you know, whatever it might be. And then, of course, you have the hardliners on this side that are saying, well, that's ridiculous. Of course they knew. They were actually part of the whole thing, you know. Um, that's pretty far down the hole. Uh, the whole QAnon idea and whatnot. I mean, do you interview a lot of people that are QAnon people? <laughs> uh, no. no. Well, I don't know. I mean, they yeah, don't right. say. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, look, I... <laughs> they don't come in with a big Q on a card. No, but look, I'm all about trying to figure out what is true. So if something that, if something that sounds ridiculous is true, well, then it's true. It doesn't matter how ridiculous right. it sounds. Right. I agree. Yeah. But what is that? Yes. And I, I know for me, and I, you know, I write from that perspective a lot. And I do have a lot of people saying, you said exactly how I'm feeling. So I figure other people are feeling the same way for me. Um, it's opened up this thing where anything could be true. And it used to be that if something to me, if something was really spectacular and weird and just out in left field, I wouldn't even look at it. I would just say, well, that, that can't be, it just doesn't, doesn't fit within some kind of spectrum here and with what's going on i mean something as simple as saying uh you know that we're going to inoculate seven billion people with with a drug that's brand new that we don't really know that much about and we haven't tested it at all i mean that's about as far out there as as you can get i mean that's just one step away from lizard people to me i mean that's just as unbelievable do you know what i did today and what <laughs> i <laughs> i went onto the internet and i typed in david ike lizard people queen yeah because <laughs> in the in the late 1990s i read a book by david ike um in which he accused yeah. the queen of being <laughs> what's the term reptilian Yes, shapeshifter. And, and since she is, you know, all the rage right now, I wanted to see if there were any hits on that. And I didn't really come up with anything. You didn't? No. Well, nothing oh, new. Oh, that's surprising. Yeah, nothing new. Yeah. Yeah, he, he made some big, and I don't know that much about Ike. I just, I, I know a little bit. Um, but he, he made, there's some article that keeps showing up if you type anything about Lizard and Queen. Um, that I haven't even read it, but he goes into why he believes that. And, you know, I, I mean, that's, that's, that's a good example of where I am with this. I didn't pay much attention to David Icke until all of this happened. And now I think some of the things he says is like, so right on, it's like scary, you know, and I, I, no, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, I've, I've told people this before that, if I was watching television and watching a speech, not television, but watching the internet and watching a speech by Trudeau, and in the middle of the speech, he said, I'm going to reveal to you the truth about me and rips off his skin and he's a lizard. I wouldn't go, oh my God. I would go, yes, that makes a lot of sense. That answers a lot of questions. 
know, ah, but it's just... but you know what's actually been happening is that after that incident, some somebody in a black suit walked up to you with a little flashy light. Right. right. And that's why you don't remember. <laughs> yeah, it may have happened. Hey, I'll believe anything now. I think that's one of the big changes for me. You know, my motto is uh, consider everything, believe nothing. I had a you call know. from uh, from one of my previous guests um, in, yeah. in, in Europe. <laughs> I think it was yesterday. And before we end the conversation, he says to me, Jim, I've got a question for you quickly, just before we go. Do you think Earth is flat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and that's where we have arrived. <laughs> yes. I use that one a lot too. I have some colleagues that I really think are really smart and really have all this down. And there was one in particular I'm thinking of, and I was talking to her and I said, uh, somehow the flat earth thing came up and she says, oh yeah, definitely. I can prove it. And I go, okay. <laughs> I, the thing that I that I would say about that, and if anybody r reads what I write, they'll, they'll pick this up. I don't have any problem with anybody saying anything. I mean, maybe I have a little bit of problem with like pure hate speech and, you know, psychotic, weird hate stuff. I mean, okay. But if somebody wants to say the earth is flat and they want to tell you they've done research, they want to show you pictures or whatever, I, I find that actually encouraging there's something about allowing that kind of thinking for you to go completely off base and you're willing to actually think about something that yes. most people think is ridiculous yes i love that yeah me too and i'll listen to them and i'll you know i watch the documentaries and i go oh that's interesting i can see why they think that i don't necessarily yeah. believe it but i think it's fantastic that people yes i agree are allowed to do that yeah yeah, um, it's it's the exact opposite to cancellation. Yes, it is. It is. I mean, I I think long a while back, a couple of years ago, right when all this started, I had a friend that I was going on the free speech thing, and I said, as far as I'm concerned, all speech should be should be allowed uh, because we're the ones that make the decision whether to shut that person down by not listening to them or deciding that what they're saying is crap. And this person wrote back to me and, and said, well, what about people saying these really untruths and nasty things about about stuff like, you know, that certain people have smaller brains or whatever it is? And I and, you know, I said, well, who's going to determine what they're saying is true or not? And that's that's the thing that we're going through now that just totally blows me away that people don't get that. You know, you use the word misinformation. The next thing you should think is, well, who determines if it's misinformation or not? Who is the one that decides that? If it isn't us that hears it and decides, oh, well, that's not true or that's nonsense. Who is it that's deciding that? And that's such a no-brainer to me. It's like, oh, no, like this whole thing going on in California with the doctors, you know, that doctors, if they if they present misinformation, they're going to lose their license. It's like, well, that's a no brainer how that's going to go. But there's something there's something very nefarious about the concept of misinformation, because anybody who makes the statement that's misinformation is implying that they have a monopoly on what is true. 
That's right. That's right. And and we certainly know that people that are in power, that are in authority figure where they can say something like that and anybody's going to listen to them, that's going to be abused. There's there, there's no way it won't be. It's <laughs> It's like you can make anybody a bad person. Everybody has the capacity to be a bad person. That's it's not something built into some people and not in other people. If they're given the opportunity and if the situation is such that yeah, you know, I'm not saying everybody will be a bad person, but everybody has the capability of being that. And you you have to uh, psychologically you have to really be conscious. You know, that's the key. Horseshoeing back to the idea of ignorance is bliss. Uh, there is, would you believe, um, a purple pull that I read about, and that is when you, when you've pulled back the curtain, you kind of see re- reality as it is, and then you just go, you know what, this is too much. I'm, I'm just gonna get into my car. I'm gonna go to work. I'm gonna put on my, my music, and I'm not gonna think about it. Right. So, so you're aware of what's going on, but it's just too much to think about. Well, isn't that how we generally all deal with things like world starvation and wars in other countries and all of the atrocities that go on with human rights? I mean, that's basically how we, I mean, certainly I do. I, I would think yes. of people. I think George yeah. Carlin actually alluded to that once upon a time in one of his sketches when he said, um, nobody actually cares about yeah. anything beyond their immediate environment. And I think that's very right. true. It is true. And I, I don't think that's necessarily a terrible thing because, you know, millions of years of evolution, uh, human beings only dealt with what they knew in front of them. They didn't know, you know, some little tribe in, in Africa or wherever didn't know what was going on the other side of the world. They didn't care, you know. Well, it's, it seems to be a very good thing because if everybody if everybody cared about everything that is outside of their control, then right. everything everything would collapse. That's right. That's right. It's a conundrum. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's a paradox because, yeah, there's there there is. I mean, of course, that's that's one of the big movements. And in our world globally today is this idea that we can have one governing body that essentially has their eye on everything that's going on on the earth. And then from that position, it's all under their control and they can do good for that. Now, I think that's one reason why a lot of people on that other side of the fence don't care about the WEF or the WHO or whatever, because they think they're benevolent. They, they think, oh, this is a good idea. Here, here we have a group of people that are not going to be elected. So we can't, we won't, if they're not elected, then we won't run the risk of getting Trump in power, you know, because that was a problem. The hillbillies elected Trump and they're all ignorant morons, you know, according to, to that way of thinking. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, I remember ages ago, Ayn Rand wrote an article about democracy, and she said, democracy, if you don't have intelligent people, is a problem. <laughs> you know, it's like if you get a bunch of uninformed, uh, ignorant people voting for somebody, it, you could be in a lot of trouble for that. 
And uh, so I think that's another battle that we have with this, that most of these people are looking at this and like saying, hey, they can take care of the world. They're all really smart. We have Bill Gates. He's a real smart guy, and he knows what he's doing, and these people do. They're not like Hitler with swastikas on their arms and military uniforms and whatever. They seem to be okay people, so why not? Why not let them run the world? Yeah, but I mean, going back to your article, um, as an anecdote, I was at a function a few weeks ago, and during one of the uh, sort of social uh, gatherings, the breaks during the evening, I was chatting to a professor from a local university, and he said to me, well, he asked, why don't you trust the experts? And I said, well, "Well, why... Why should I? And also, what do you mean by expert? He says, well, they're skilled in their field. I said, like who? And he said, Fauci. And I said, well, I don't trust Fauci because I think he's highly responsible and probably verging on a mass murderer. And he said, well, how can you say that? Do you have evidence? And that was when I realized that World A and World B absolutely still exist. Even in the mainstream. Yeah. Yeah. You know, an example like that, I I think I I think you get into something stranger than than what I've been talking about with with say the the basics of A and B, that A is the good world because everybody's happy and nobody really notices anything because they live in their nice cushy life and whatever and they want to keep it that way. You know, the ignorance bliss part. You get into the, the, the Fauci thing, and there's dozens of others, where the evidence does point to what you just said as being possibly a mass murderer or sociopath or whatever it might be. The evidence does point to that, but the evidence is ignored. And that's a different thing. That's when we start getting into the mass psychosis idea. You know, this idea that there's something wrong it's not just a matter of, hey, this is comfortable. I don't want to sh- you know, rock the boat. I, I want to believe the things that, that I see in front of me. I can go to the grocery store and get my food and play my video games and drive my nice car. But part of that, you don't want to break down that, that facade, that Fauci-ism to it. You know, people that are like him. Yet there's something more deeper something deeper that's going on and i think this is where desmond comes up with these ideas you know and i i'm very much a fan of him uh i i just from a psychological perspective i mean maybe he's got some stuff in there that i don't really focus on but i think his whole his whole setup if you've read his book where where he goes into the details of of you know a meaningless life And having, I mean, he goes into some pretty deep stuff with like how many years ago we stopped having a direct relationship with consumers. You know, we used to make shoes and then the consumer would come in and they'd buy the shoes and they know you and look into your eyes and they would know your family and they would know what kind of shoe you made. There was a personal, uh, a soul connection with consumerism that went out the window a long time ago. So that's not a recent thing. That's something that's been gone for hundreds of years. And he cites those sayings as the as the foundation for this mass 
formation for this this blindness to things that are really central importance the sole importance of human beings relating to one another and all this i mean it goes goes way down very deep and uh i i would agree a little bit more with mcdonald's delusional psychosis because i think it's less like a spell you know, and maybe Desmond's is more like a spell has been put on people, like they've hypnotized one another or whatnot. I didn't really get that from his book, but that seems to be the complaint. Or that everybody is at fault and the higher-ups are not. I don't know where anybody got that from, but that seems to be part of the argument that he's off. I think this is the best comment um, of, of the day. Um, it's from PJ, and he says, uh, search for the truth and then build yourself and your community. Uh, trying to change governments and authorities uh, is impossible, but changing your own environment might might just have the ripple effect that, in the end, changes the world. He I, he's right on, yeah, and and that even starts. You know wh what he's commenting on is more the structure and the infrastructure of community, mm -hmm. but it goes deeper than that. It starts with character, character development, morality what is just innately right. The Egyptians have a thing called ma'at, which is essentially they believe that we're born with the, with the knowledge, uh, innate knowledge of what is right and, and what has meaning. What is that the word? It's, it's just a part. Ma'at, M-A-apostrophe-A-T. Ma'at. Ma'at, yeah. So, so, what you're saying is, so what you're saying is we must ma'at like an Egyptian. <laughs> Yeah, Sorry. exactly. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> I think your drink is having an effect. No, that's uh, yeah, and and he's right with that. I I think that community has to have at its foundation, character and and moral uh, ability and and uh, consciousness and whatever. And you know that went out the window when religion and God essentially was wiped off, wiped out of the culture. Um, I mean, you don't have to be a religious person per se, but there, there is something to that. I think that's quite important. Uh, so yeah, yeah, you're not going to change just, just like, uh, punishing a criminal isn't going to, to remove crime from a culture. It may be a way to control crime. You know, it may be a way to say, well, we'll get this person off the street so they can't hurt anybody else or whatever it might be. But it's it's not the way to remove crime. You have to do that from the foundation. And I think that's what he's saying there. But that's, I mean, you're, you're tapping into now what makes us who we are. Yeah. I mean, that's that's where this COVID narrative has actually taken us into these profound philosophical conversations of the nature of our own reality. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's the reason why so many people are saying it's a spiritual war. You know, it's a war between good and evil, a war between God and the devil, or however you frame it, however you, you see that in your own, in your own reality. But uh, it, it is much, much more than a political or freedom of rights or, you know, bioterrorism or any of those things. I mean, those are all results of it, but the true battle is just what you just said. It's, um, 
And that isn't going to be fixed easy. You know, that may require a complete obliteration of the world, like a Noah's Ark kind of metaphor, before that's going to get fixed. Yeah, it's funny you say that, because that term, Great Reset, suddenly becomes yeah, I relevant. I know, but that's a materialist reset, though, don't you think? Mm. I mean, what they talk about is more from a materialist economic point of view. Very, very little is talked about psychology and all of this, or spirituality even. You know, it, it doesn't seem to be a topic. It never has been, or at least not within the last couple hundred years. You know, anytime, anytime anything like that is mentioned, most people would just push it away and like say, oh, well, those are those religious fundamentalists that are talking about Satan and Luciferians and all that. But there could be something to be said about that. But this, I... Why do you think people simply don't want to open their eyes? Well, the reason why I hesitate with that, because that is, that is the question, isn't it? And I, I actually think it's going to change over time. I, I don't think we're at a point now where it's like, again, the frog boil analogy. I don't think we're at a point now where people are suffering enough from the results of what's happening for them to open their eyes to that. Um, I think we're at a scale where we're actually at the very, very, very beginnings of it where people will not even uh, correlate anything that's happening with, say, the vaccine or with uh, draconian restrictions and things, you know, because of COVID. I, I don't think people on that side of the fence, and I'm I'm refraining from using the sheep word, but from that side of the fence, I the hardcore, the 30% or whatever Desmond calls it, I don't think it's been any pressure at all. I don't think the water has gotten heated up at all. Uh, if it has, it's it's only then pointed at the war in Europe with Ukraine and Russia and Putin's a bad guy or it's climate change or it's... Uh, oh, the COVID was so bad that we had to, to screw our uh, our supply chain up because of COVID. You know, it's those things. I don't think anybody has correlated like all these deaths or whatever it might be, myocarditis or whatever. I don't think they've correlated that. And even if they have, it's all a matter of, well, it's not affecting me or it's not that many people, 30,000 people dead, even if they did die from the vaccine, it's like that's the price you have to pay to stop COVID from killing 700 million people. So that's part of it. And, you know, who's going to open their eyes to something that makes them look like fools, for one thing? Most of these people have been vaccinated. Nobody's going to want to admit that they've done something they can't reverse. Yeah, but Todd, there is a, there's a really weird paradigm that exists. I saw somebody today in a public space, just walking with a mask on. And three three years ago, that would have been insanity. And yeah. now and now it's not. Now people go shame. You know, that person probably thinks that, you know, they want to protect others. But nobody would have said that three years ago. So it's amazing how within such a short space of time the the wiring of our brain can can be completely changed yeah 
Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I think uh, being a psychologist myself, I think if somebody had presented this as a as a thought problem and said, well, do you think this would happen? I would have said no. I, I find it, you know, what you just said, I, I would have said, no, people wouldn't do that. They would, they would eventually figure it out and say, oh, well, this is, I mean, almost to a fault, you know, people that are put in bad, I mean, how many times do you see people doing stupid stuff that they should know better to do that that's actually the opposite of wearing the mask? You know, people like swimming in some polluted river or something somewhere. I mean, people do, or smoking, good example. I mean, people do kooky stuff that they know is going to kill them or hurt them or whatever, and they still do it. Um, you haven't uh, seen the opposite. Yeah, Beth. Huh? Beth makes a great comment here. She said three years ago it would have only been an Asian doing it, and you know how true that is. I remember being in an airport, and every now and then I would see an Asian walking with a mask on, and I remember, I remember thinking, "Oh, they're shame, poor Asians. You know, they're they're indoctrinated." Yeah. And yeah. now it's right on my doorstep. Right. Well, there's a, I don't know, I, I don't know how much you've gotten into that, but most of the, the, the most of the reason why you see that a lot in Asian countries is because somewhere along the line, they figured out that that uh, you know particulate pollution is rampant in their cities, and that's not so much for bacteria even, certainly not for viruses, but they wear a mask to keep smog and pollution. From breathing that in which isn't necessarily a bad idea and i think you know you hear that all the time now uh well people in japan have been wearing or china have been wearing masks for ages and you go well not for viruses they're not now some of them might think that okay that they're wearing it for protection against diseases or whatever but the the primary reason why all that started is because they're very over, overly sensitive to, and they're also very compliant culture, um, at least in Japan. Uh, so, you know, but you see that now too. Most of the people I see wearing masks that are still wearing them are Asian. That's the young people, at least. You see a lot of very old people wearing masks that could be of any culture, but but if you see young people wearing masks at least where i am in canada they're usually some kind of asian and i think that's just part of their culture i don't think they're more well maybe they are more sensitive or or more psychologically sensitive to to hygiene or to to disease or whatever i don't know there seems to be two different types of people there does seem to be somebody the type of person that is just not interested in investigating things. Um, they're interested. I know this all sounds so judgmental. It's like it's not good to talk like this, but it seems like there are people that really are only concerned with the here and now. They're only concerned with their life, you know, what they're doing, their entertainment, uh, their children, or whatever. And again, I'm not judging. I'm not saying that's a, necessarily a bad thing. And then you have people, and I've kind of noticed this as a common denominator, you have people that are interested in world history, that are interested in the details of, of how people think or how things have happened in the past with history. And they're usually the ones that 
that don't live in this kind of blind bliss. They they know what's going on in the world. They know that there's a lot of problems, yet, you know, they don't necessarily jump into that trying to fix it all, but they're aware of it. Yeah, and, I think you I think you're making a good point there. It's not it's not it's not the knowledge that's bad. It's the desire to try and fix it and or fix those around you so that they think the same. That's I think maybe where the where the implosion occurs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's that's always been an issue. I, I always think it keeps popping in my head that old movie, uh, Sex, Lies, and Videotape. I don't know if it's old movie, like, well, not really old, but old, old to most people. There's a there's a scene in there where the Annie McDowell character is she's this typical, you know, well-off Westerner American that really doesn't have anything to worry about too much, but she's always depressed and anxious. And when he's videotaping her, he says, so what's what's bothering you? And she says, garbage. It's just everywhere. It's just mm. piling up, you know, just everywhere in the water and it just everywhere. Garbage, garbage. And I just can't sleep at night because that's all I think about. And I may be totally butchering that because it, it was a long time ago I saw the movie. But I remember it 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 hit me in a way of like saying, yeah. You're you're ruining your life by focusing on things you have no control over, and you can control your garbage. You can control recycling. You can take care of your footprint and what you're doing. But once you start focusing on the world, and unless you are in a yeah. position you can do something about it, and there are people that are. I mean, there are people that go into government and go into you know certain fields that they can actually have an imprint on what's going on but if you don't choose to do that if you have another job and have another passion where where are you going to go with that so i think stephen yeah. covey wrote about that uh, what's his book um seven habits yeah. of highly effective people right Right, and in that book, he said, uh, "You are most effective when you're only trying to influence those in your immediate environment." Right, and I was thinking now, as you were saying, you know, uh, when I flew recently, I remember sitting down on the airplane and just looking at the, at, you know, I was at the back, and I just looked in front of me, and I saw all the people sitting there, and I thought, "How many of you know what's coming?" CBDCs. Yeah digital yeah. ID, you know, uh, the hyperinflation. And and then it occurred to me, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't. I mean, there's a part of it we do have control over. We have control over what we comply to. We have control over who we elect, if you think that that makes a difference. <laughs> you at least can pretend like you have control over that. But I think compliance is probably the number one thing right now because, you know, as you hear over and over and over again, if everybody said no to any of these things, it wouldn't happen because they could not implement something like that uh, on millions of people without compliance. It's a, it's a tough one. I mean, it's definitely a paradox. You know, it's like we've we've grown in such numbers that we can have a special interest group of, of non-compliant 
blissfully ignorant people, like a special group of people that back 500 years ago would maybe in a small town would account for 100 people. Now it's millions, if not billions, that can be in that club, be in the club of non-compliant, blissful, ignorant, blissful thinking people. It's and that's that's a big mover. That number of people is a lot. That's a lot of people. And uh, I don't know if that makes any sense, but it uh, it's it's harder. It takes more people to move things, but it's easier to have more people than it ever has been before, because there's so many people. So what do we do then with this information? Well, this is where I would step a little bit more into the metaphysical. Um, I think if we start really relying on numbers and relying on probabilities, you know, I, I think we can really get silenced very quickly. Um, the metaphysics of it is the whole hundredth monkey idea, where if, if, if you do what you can do, you know, within this system, and as people, more and more people do that, I don't think it will take that many to cause a energy shift or to cause a hundred monkey kind of event. Uh, are you, you're familiar with the hundredth monkey idea? But for those who aren't. Oh, yeah. Um, just real basically. And, and there's been a lot of controversy as to whether this has actually happened from a scientific point of view, but the story is usually told in a scientific setting where a certain number of monkeys on an island were taught to do something. I think it's shelling coconuts or something. And as they teach each other to do it, they all start doing it. But the monkeys that, that are not connected with those monkeys at all, okay, on the other side of the island or on another island, start doing it as if they've been taught but they haven't been directly taught. Uh, this, is, this is something that I think Rupert Sheldrake talks a lot about in his work with morphic resonance, that, that if uh, one of the examples he gives all the time is that certain elements crystallize and certain other materials don't, chemicals don't crystallize. And as time has gone on, the ones that don't crystallize will start crystallizing, and then they crystallize everywhere in the world. Not just not just where they have been taught to crystallize. Now, I'm butchering all that. There's a lot more de scientific detail to it that I'm screwing up. But basically, he believes. I mean, the, the easiest one to think of is that if somebody runs a uh, hundred yard or a 50, 50 yard sprint and they break a world record, and it's taken years and years and years and years before that record is broken, and then so somebody finally does it, and then everybody else breaks it. It's like it just all of a sudden it's like no big deal to break the record that once it's broken, then all these other athletes all over the world will start breaking the record or, or that record. And then they'll break the next one and the same thing will happen. So it's, it's this idea that somehow something will spread without a direct cause and effect. And I think that's how this will be ultimately resolved. I mean, look what you do. Look at this, the time you spend doing what you're doing. You are an integral part to, to fixing this by doing what you're doing. And it's not, you're not reaching everybody on earth. You're not some, some big, uh, you know, 
government authority figure that's preaching or something. But by doing what you're doing, you're creating an energy that will then affect people that don't even know who you are. That have now you'll raise the consciousness of the world. Same kind of thing that I think I'm doing by writing all the time. You know, how many people read what I write? The teeny tiny tiny number. Well, you're definitely right because were it not for, I guess what I do, and were it not for your writing, you and I wouldn't be talking. That's right. That's right. And it's not just who we directly touch. And this is the metaphysical part. The energy, the consciousness that we raise is raised universally. It moves up. So any tiny thing you can do or any person can do is going to contribute to that to that change. Todd, do you think 500 years from now, people are going to look back at us and say, what a bunch of morons? In a certain context, sure. <laughs> that, yeah, the yeah, kids in school, they're going to read in their, well, I don't know what devices they'll be using at that stage, but they're going yeah. to read or learn about the, the 21st century and what happened in the year 2020 and how the world became a bunch of zombies. Yeah, I I do think that'll happen. Yeah, it, it there's an assumption there that what they will be learning and what they'll see is truth, because I think we're up to this point in history where we know very little of what's true in history. I mean, we have to we have to question all of that. If we're questioning things like whether the Earth is flat or not, we also have to question what happened in Rome in the year 800 and what happened in Egypt 5,000 years ago, because all that is all that is fabricated certainly history is created not not by evidential other than what people write and some things you see you know you can have evidence that's that's empirical that's actually material evidence but not a lot of it i mean most of it is what people have written about and i know with ancient egypt everything that i'm i'm a big uh, researcher in, in ancient egypt very alternative believer in what's gone on in ancient egypt and me too there i mean you too really oh cool there's a bunch of people in egypt right now the the problem with a lot of it in egypt right now is that the people that that know the most don't write any of it down they they don't believe in writing things down because of the same problem so it's all word of mouth it all it all comes down through talk which <laughs> to be around the right people you know, but uh, there's so much that just didn't write. It's just not truth. And uh, do you think humanity is at a precipice right now? Yes. Big one. The one. The only the only time ever in history this has happened. Yeah. That we know of. I mean, it could have happened. We we could have, humanity could have been on uh, in in a similar state maybe five thousand years ago three thousand ten thousand maybe, but uh, much smaller number of people. But yeah, definitely this is this is a this is the one that's been building up for about five thousand years, um, in my opinion. And I you know I don't have a strong opinion about the details of that, but I just I just believe that humanity itself is is definitely at a precipice i mean it's uh the challenges that are being made to being human you know we're not even talking about 
transhumanism and you know all these other things the whole trans thing all these other things that are going on alongside this covid stuff uh is is all part of it it's all the same thing that's happening it's this dissolution of 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 being a human essentially but, but that's very blackpool territory uh, which I was referencing earlier. Yeah. So so let's come in for a landing and bring in that white pill, that all-important white pill. How do we take this conversation and spin it into something that is solution-orientated? I'm not a real fan of solutions right now. Uh, well, not, not, I shouldn't say solutions. I should say uh, um, uh, reconciliations or, uh, I don't know, the word escapes. But um, the solution really right now is, is to keep your eyes open, in my view, because we are in a, we are in a material battle right now. This is, this is the time for the earth warriors, the dirt warriors, as I've written about, it's it's this is this is a physical, material confrontation when we're talking about vaccines, talking about vaccine, uh, vaccinating children, talking about, you know, all the things that are in the general world. There are people that are holding the deeper truth that don't get into that at all and more power to them. But I think most of this right now is a material thing. So the solution, in my view, is to win that battle, is to to keep our eyes open, to keep pushing, to not comply, to, I mean, whatever whatever those things are, whatever it is you're doing, whatever it is I'm doing, uh, and whatever it is all the people that are dedicating their time and their life to, you know, the, the Corys, the McCulloughs, the the Malones, all of, all of those people. Once that has, has been succeeded, then the solution is to come back to very basic values of being a human being, love, compassion, empathy, um, you know, and a lot of the things that are considered conservative, family values, taking care of your children, taking care of your community, you know, those things that seem simplistic, but that's that's the healing of that. And I, I think that we also need to own some of those concepts. I mean, the way you said that now was a little bit of trepidation. Things that you would that would be considered conservative. I mean right, I, right. I don't really care anymore. I I would say yeah. I yeah. have these foundational values and I think that yep. they ma they matter they give me a moral compass and they give yep. me a purpose to wake up with. Mm -hmm. Absolutely 100%. I think that's part of the erosion, the conscious erosion if you know if you want to frame it with evil, that's part of the the plan. That's the agenda is to break down those things by associating them with, with things that people have been brainwashed to believe, like conservatism is Republicanism, is Trumpism, is whatever. I mean, there's this whole line of, no, I'm not going to believe that because that's, you know, if somebody, if I went up to somebody and said, you know, I believe in family values, oh, you support Trump. 
and you know that connection and not necessarily saying there's anything wrong with supporting trump it's just it's just we've we've polarized things to that degree where we can't even think we certainly can't talk about religion we can't right. talk about god without being accused of being oh well, you're some backwater you know religions ruin the world Rednick. look at all the bad things it's done yeah right right um, but no, but I, you're, this is this is ma. This is just what we're talking about. For you to say what you just said, you know what values are. You mm. know what that is. You just know in your heart what it is to be a good person, and to and all those things. You just know. And anyhow, didn't get the word. should we outright dismiss people? Disregard them altogether if we don't agree with them one hundred percent? Because that's what I've been seeing. Oh. <laughs> Uh, I don't like what uh, what Malone said on Joe Rogan. Therefore, he's a shill. Absolutely not. I I think I'm right in there with you on that. I think that's one of the horrors that's happening. It's like I hear people talk all the time, and I may I may only like one thing they say, and it's like it's what I said earlier. I want to hear everything. I may disagree with half of what somebody says. And still go, wow, this is a value, though, this other half. Absolutely not. I think that's also part of the agenda. It's it's like, I mean, how often do you hear, like, really weird things? Like like somebody uh, putting somebody's uh, ideas down by accusing them of doing some wrongdoing somewhere else. Like, oh, well, you know, they they were having an affair, or they're a pedophile, or they're this, or they're that. It's like no, I, I think that's I think that comes naturally again. It's this it's this natural tendency to polarize, because you can't deal with the 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 tension in the middle. I mean, pe- people do that all the time. I mean, I see a lot of clients. Yeah, it's as always a psychotherapist. It's, it's always one or zero. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's very binary. I mean, we're seeing that. I've seen that everywhere in this very strange way, you know, like like everything that that George Washington did as a founding father in the United States, you know, is shit because he owned slaves. <laughs> you know, it's it's like, well, he was an idiot. He was a yeah, he racist. He, he was ugly. He was horrible. Yeah, yeah he said he said 100,000 things in his life. Every single one of them was right. bad. No. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And you just can't have that in that kind of intolerance. Or you'll never get anywhere with anything. And yeah, I agree. I, I find this very disturbing that this is happening with the people that, you know, I I don't like the idea that Malone got the vaccine. I mean, I think that's really weird as much as he's talking about why, you know, was he stupid then or what? You know, what happened? But it's like, okay, I hear what he says that I think is is incredible. I don't care about that part of it i mean you can factor it in in a certain in a certain way i mean i think i think you'd be you know not really thinking through something if you don't factor in certain bits of information that could have a huge impact on the credibility of what they say but not not what you said no but what happens is is that that phrase that phrase that comes up and it's a phrase now todd that makes me want to break the door off its hinges Okay. Controlled opposition. Oh God, yeah. I was waiting for that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Trojan horse. Yeah, that's another oh, oh he 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 said that about SARS CoV two. I don't agree with him. He is controlled opposition. Yeah. That's that's right. 
what is it that somebody I saw somewhere, I don't know if you saw this, but I saw somewhere that David Martin, there was some picture of him like in a bathing suit and he had a, he had an eye of Horus tattoo around his arm. Have you seen that? And all these people were like going on over that's a sign of the devil and all this shit. And I mean, that's like, that's like one of the most benevolent, you know, deeply spiritual symbols. And it's again, it's anything can be twisted around to to mean anything. You want to, well, it, you know, you just have to end the show by putting your one hand over your eye like that, or or, or use one of those one of those symbols. <laughs> and also, I just want to put a disclaimer: I'm not saying that that stuff is not real. No, same here. I'm I'd not saying that, but yeah, I am saying you. I am saying that if you look if you look for stuff, you'll find it. Also, right. And it could be true. I mean, that's what we started talking about. It's like, you know, consider everything. I I think it's fascinating that people believe what they believe in those things because there could be truth in it. There really could be. And we will, like I said, if Trudeau ripped his skin off and he was a lizard, it's like it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready for it. <laughs> if you can summarize this entire conversation into one paragraph then what would it be? Wow. (laughs) Uh, Wow. I wish I could be profound. I don't know. I feel like it was more uh, acknowledging that, you know, speaking of shapeshifters, just acknowledging that, that the truth that we're dealing with can come from anywhere and it can be a variety of, uh, of things that are not are not in the center, you know they're not they're not clear, and we have to we as we navigate through this we just like you you said you have to be really careful not to hurt people, not to attack people, to allow everybody to speak and allow all these ideas to come come forth because the truth could be anywhere in that. Um, you know, world A, world B, uh, you know, I guess integration would be the, the central word that we have to be aware of that we can't start doing the same thing that the other, the other side is doing with trying to polarize truths. And uh, I think we're reaching a point where that could be a problem, you know, that we're polarizing. Where can I find you? Uh, my Substack is uh, Shrew Views, like the shrew, the little animal. Views, like just one word. dot com. And I'm trying to start, you know, like everybody is, uh, you know, trying to start a community of like-minded people. There's a lot of really great, great comments that come in there. Uh, you know, a couple articles a week, and then commentary that we all talk about various things. And off Guardian, I have a slot every Saturday where an article shows up Saturday that's pretty exclusive. It'll show up on the Shrewviews Substack a couple of weeks out, but they get it. They get these first. And they're a fantastic. I know you do a lot of of off Guardians. I mean Kit Knightley is brilliant and I love working with him and love working with all those people. They have a soul that, that site has a soul to it. I don't know if you've noticed that with their artwork and everything, just no mm-hmm. advertisements. There's just something very soulful about about their their writers and their articles and whatever. So find me there. 
and shrew views. I'm trying to get everybody to be a shrew. You're trying to tame the shrew? Well, no, we can't be tamed. You can't tame shrews. <laughs> they'll, they'll go up against anything. They'll attack a dog, a little tiny shrew. So, I'm making terrible jokes this evening. I apologize. No, you're good. I love it. I love it. I love the <laughs> laughter that, you know, we need this. We just need this. This is this is good. This is great. I really enjoy doing this with you and love your insight and and love your humor and love that you have a scotch. <laughs> so it's too it's, early for you, all, isn't it? Yeah, well, kind of. Yeah. 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 Next time, though. Next time. There will be a next yeah. time. Todd Hayen, thank you I for joining so. in the trenches. Thank you, buddy. Thank you so much, brother. You take care. Uh, don't do my closing. Let me do it like this. My name is Jim. This is Jim Warfare, the battle of ideas. <laughs> <laughs>